Welcome inside the Carolina Line with Al Wallace and Kevin Donnelly. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, and this is the show where we raise your football IQ and help you sound cool. Cool. Oh, my gosh. That's the most uncool thing I've ever said. But cool to your coworkers. Mm. And thank you, everybody who has given us a review on Apple Podcast or, or given us that nice five-star rating. Keep doing it. We want to hear more from you guys. And uh, before we really jump into the show, because this game happened at Bank of America Stadium, I want to give KD a little shout-out to your Tar Heels. My goodness. They did. They pulled off the upset against the uh, Gamecocks, and it was I was there. I brought my son, a couple of his friends, had some great seats, and um, I was really happy for Mac Brown. He was my coach when I was uh, playing at North Carolina. It was his first three seasons there when I was there uh, with him, and we went 1-10, 1-10, and then 6-4-1. and one. And that's really when he turned the corner and started really hammering down recruiting, especially in North Carolina and landing some great talent, all the the players that have come through there, um, you know, Julius Peppers and Dre Bly and <laughs> all the guys that were in between that um, with uh, Trey Boston and, and just a lot of other names I could name. But just happy that he got off to a winning start, really happy for the program. And I think that, um, you know, there'll be ups and downs this season, but certainly a great way to start. Oh, my gosh, no, I just thought – Mac Brown 2.0, man. Everybody's saying, like, why are you bringing Mac Brown back? That's why. You know what I mean? Get things started off with a bang. That was and a lot of fun. It's not for his dancing. I don't oh know if you saw gosh. the video afterwards. I terrible. watched it like 500 times. It was so terrible. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> you wish you had moves like Mac Brown. But it's funny, you know, because being right here in Charlotte, we, we get to see what happens at UNC Charlotte. And Will Healy gets his first win against Gardner yes. Webb. And Al Wallace was on the call yeah. for. Uh, 7.30 the game, and I think that seeing him in the locker room, you see what kind of that millennial, um, you know, influence has on him as he goes in the locker room and is dancing to, to some hardcore rap music in there and the shirt's <laughs> off Shirt comes and he's off. flying all over the place. He's on the shoulders, yeah. Huge Mac, win. you know, Mac, man, he was kind of barely moving along. But the guys still loved it the same. I mean, that players love seeing coaches be real in a moment like that and have that joy because uh, they put so much work in it together as a unit. And so for those two programs to get a win to start their season was really fun. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. I, I thought uh, Carolina had, you know, a lot of fight, much more fight than I've seen in the last couple of years. And I think that's a result of Mac Brown being back in that locker room. I was in the ACC at the University of Maryland, and I played against Mac Brown teams, and they fought hard, a lot of talent, and we saw that. We saw that come back this Saturday or this weekend, and, and Mac Brown's just – he's going to be great for that program. Well, and speaking of the Terps, your guy's got a big 79, 79. <laughs> points. I wasn't going to say it. I wanted to let you guys oh, bring it up. Syracuse <laughs> next week will be a different story, though. It will be. It will be a different story. But that was a, a great – uh, match up there. My wife went to Howard, and I obviously oh, University wow. of Maryland. So it was uh, <laughs> that's cold blooded. That, that wasn't a nice time in my home, but you know it, it was oh, great. Oh, shutout too! Like <laughs> Shut that out. wasn't just. Not only did we rake you with seventy nine points, it was a blowout. It was a zero point game for y'all. Yeah, we're on talking Ouch. terms again. So <laughs> all good. Yeah. My Aztecs only beat Weaver State six zero, so I don't really know how to feel about that. A win is a win, but and yes. a few weeks from now they'll forget the score, it's Stormy. A dub. <laughs> Now, we got a lot of stuff to cover today. We're talking the 53-man roster, if the Panthers are back on track with their goals, and previewing the all-important Week 1 game against the Rams this week. Uh, might even give you some hot takes later, some mm. season predictions. But let's dive into that 53-man roster. 
Um, there was a pretty clear shift as we go down the line of, of roster cuts that signaled something I think we've known about the team's goals for the last couple years, trying to get younger and faster, and, and that means in all areas, right? Mm-hmm. It absolutely does, even with your kicker. Yes. No, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I, yeah. I think you see it with this team. You know, they wanted to start with the O-line and D-line. They talked about that a lot in the offseason, but just as equal to that, Al, was how much that – they wanted to increase team speed, and especially on defense. They knew they had some weapons on offense, these young receivers and Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but defense, just overall speed on the field. And they've been able to do that with some, you know, I think with with letting a guy like um, Jared Norris go, uh, what you have there is opportunities for Andre Smith and Jermaine Carter and some young linebackers that need to learn because you never know when they're going to have to fill in. Yeah, I mean – you know, it's tough. This is a tough time of year, and, and the 53-man rosters are all nailed down now. Uh, but what Marty Herney and this staff and, and Coach Rivera wanted to do is get faster, and they wanted to get more youthful, and they wanted to be able to compete, especially in this division, uh, with all the talented, skilled guys and at wide receiver and a defensive back. So this roster reflects that at this point. And you have to let some veteran guys go, and it's always hard to see them leave. Uh, but what you've done <clears throat> is cleared the way. You've cleared the way for some of those younger guys to really have an opportunity and you're going to see a lot of the youth movement especially um, when you watch this game coming up here Sunday it's going to be on the special teams you talked about uh, Andre Smith and Jermaine Carter and those linebackers and some of the receivers even two being brought in kind of after the final cuts go down and it's because they need uh, those skill guys they need receivers the fifth and sixth guys to play special teams so it's about special teams about being able to compete and challenge uh, these young guys, these Julio Jones and Michael Thomas and down with the Saints, those guys are very talented. So you got to get a lot younger. you got to get a lot of faster. Just because you did say the wide receivers right there, I think one cut that I know really surprised me and I know surprised a lot of fans was Torrey Smith. Uh, what did you guys think about that decision ultimately? I know, like you said, they, they want guys that can come in and, and be able to respond in the punt return game, in the whatever, but and be all around on special teams as well. But Torrey Smith is a guy that took a pay cut for Gerald McCoy to come in earlier this year. There is a lot of optimism about him healing up in his knee. And what do you guys think? I mean, I, I like Torrey Smith. Obviously, one of those uh, Terps that are on the football team. Um, we've watched his career. He's a Super Bowl champion. Um, he's a champion, period, on and off the field. When you talk about a model guy that you want uh, to have around uh, this youth that we we're speaking of on the football team, he's a guy that they brought in um, to lead the way, and I think he served his 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 time here well. Now, did he put up the numbers? I know he had a career low in in, in snaps and games and production all season long, and he was marred by injuries. But if we're being realistic about winning and we want to fill this 53-man roster with guys that can help us win, um, you have to move guys like Torrey Smith, and it's hard. It's very hard. It's tough for me to see, but they need guys that can help them win. And because of all the new young talent at wide receiver and I guess not his inability to play special teams, but that's just not his niche. They brought in guys that can do that, and that's one of the reasons why he's going because they need – the bottom of that wide receiver group, and Torrey unfortunately was at the bottom to run down there and cover kicks, and I don't think they're going to ask Torrey Smith to do that. Yeah, and I think with Torrey, you know, what he was known for was being able to, you know, take the top off the defense, you know, and, and that pure just straightaway speed. And when you start getting injuries to the lower body and, and with the knee, um, it could be very debilitating. I mean, Al and I could go on about stories right. of, of our position and what it costs you as you as you get older in your career, and it's just kind of a fact of life. Um 
So I think that you know there was it was probably time to to inject some some more youth in that wide receiver group. They got Chris Hogan, who has experience. You got the couple of receivers the Panthers do have with them, with Curtis and DJ that that do have some years under their belt. Now not a lot, but they've been around the program and they know what Coach Rivera is all about and what North Turner wants in that offensive scheme. So. I think it was time to, to bring in some young guys, and uh, they're going to need them because, you know, when they, they cut Torrey Smith and then obviously uh, Terry Godwin, who was their seventh-round pick, um, he virtually uh, took every single punt return snap yeah. of the preseason. So, you know, there was really no one else that was on this roster that did any punt returns during the preseason. And so I look back, and obviously D.J. Moore has done some, Christian McCaffrey has done some in the past, but with their workloads, you don't think they're going back there again. So who is the go-to guy then if you're Ron Rivera and company that's going to be your big returner this year? I mean, I mean, he had some he, – Terry Godwin was the guy we were talking about him just a couple of weeks ago with all his bright flashes. You start looking at the guys they just brought in, like Ray Ray McLeod. I mean, he has punt return experience, and you know he's an explosive uh, receiver, a guy that's, uh, you know, really fast, change of direction. Those are the kind of guys you want to put back there. Now, the fear is putting the guy back there week one. I mean, you haven't had a look at him. I think you kind of get him into some game action before and, and a lot more practice before you feel comfortable. So it's going to have to be one of the veterans that we name handling those punts. And we don't want to see that. We don't want to put a DJ Moore or a Curtis Samuel or any of those guys at risk fielding punts eyes in the sky, chin towards the defender screaming down the field. That's not the position I want them no, in. No, so. you see some of those returners get <laughs> No, clocked, you don't want to do that, but you may have to because the most important thing in that phase of the game is possession. You have to catch the ball. So whoever they put back back there, they have to trust that they can catch the ball and be comfortable doing it. Well, and with – with Ray Ray McLeod, you know, it's a guy that they've been kind of keeping track of. And um, obviously, he's uh, looking at his stats. He's only did four punt returns while he's been in the pros. But he had 25 as a player um, in college. And, and the Panthers on their Panthers.com even posted a, an article about it and showed one that he ran for a, a touchdown against North Carolina State, which was cool. And I think, you know, it might be a situation kind of converse to what Al's saying right now is, Maybe you bring him in. He does have some experience. It's not like he's coming from the street. He just came from a camp, so you know mm -hmm. he's been fielding punts and things like that. Don't worry about the offense right now. Don't worry about where to line up. Don't worry about the plays, all that kind of stuff. You're going to be activated, and your only role is punt returns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can always use Bonifon if he's active for, uh, you know, kickoff return duties. And, you know, they're rarely returned kickoffs anyway in the pros now so it's not quite as uh, hazardous as it is the punt return but just tell them that's your sole focus you know when september 7th rolls yeah. around and that game's here just be our reliable september 8th whatever is it the 8th or yes the 8th oh my bad <laughs> i wanted to get here sooner than it really yes. is can't wait and i am excited Man. for It'll thursday i mean thursday i can't wait for it just because of you know the bears and packers playing and it kicks yeah. off the season uh there's a game tonight louisville plays tonight um it's been some good act. There was a game last night with um, uh, who? Oklahoma. Houston and Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. O Oklahoma stopped a, good, a mud hole in them. They're doing <laughs> a good job this just to start off the year with how we're all getting introduced to football. We're yeah. like, all right, we got some good just, stuff. Just going. give it to us. <laughs> just, just let them Feed go. Feed me. But while we are on the the special teams train, as you alluded to earlier, Graham Cano um, was listed on the IR before even all of these cuts came out. So Joey Sly is going to be the kicker this year. And he produced in the preseason. I think everybody was really impressed with him. He had, what, seven of eight field goals made, including that 59-yarder the other night, made all four of his uh, extra points. K 
can he maintain that kind of production from the preseason into the regular season with the Panthers? Well, I think you hope so. And, and that one miss was a, a block, I believe. So, I mean, the guy was was true. I mean, he was pure the entire, um, you know, training camp and, and preseason. And I think it makes the Graham Gano decision easier. I know it's a big question for Marty today. Hey, why don't you put him on Gano on the 53? That way he can come back. Well, if you have a guy you feel confident in, like Joey Sly, then you don't need to do that. And there are other guys that you're trying to protect, so you can't hold that roster spot so you can make that move for Graham Gano to have him come back. But I think it makes it easier. The way uh, Sly performed, um, the consistency with which he kicked the ball, it makes it easy to say, hey, you know what, we love Graham Gano. Uh, you know, we hope he mends up and he's going to get back. But right now, it's it's Sly time. It's Joey Sly's time <laughs> to get out there and, and kick the ball through the upright for this football team. And I think we all feel confident. Now, there's going to be a change. It's the regular season. The pressure's going to increase but how much more pressure are you under uh competing against a guy like Gano and trying to find a roster spot those guys that's what they do they're built for those situations and hopefully Sly can carry that momentum on to the regular season yeah and as a as a college kicker with 72 percent in his career at Virginia Tech uh Gano's been 82 percent over the life of his career and actually his time with the Panthers has been close to 90 percent um he is a fantastic kicker with yes. a lot of experience he's hit some clutch Kicks obviously just go back one year to the 63 yarder against the Giants, yep. and um, but when you look at Joey Sly, you, you see the 59 yarder, and it was right down the middle. All his kicks have been right down the middle. They haven't scooted in. They haven't hit a crossbar, anything like that. They just like you said, they were just true, you know, accurate kicks with a lot of strong, you know, leg behind it. So, you know, I think we're all just holding you know, crossing our fingers, holding our breath, hoping that, that this really does continue because what he did in the fan, in the preseason was was great. And if he can keep that going, um, that would be fantastic that there's no drop-off with Gano mm -hmm. leaving it. It's just the experience factor. And I mentioned it right off the bat. You know, that's that's probably the biggest youth movement of, of anything that we'll talk about is all those years of experience that Gano has. And there's ice water, veteran, yeah. ice water in his veins. And then you, you go to Joey Sly that um, – as appears to have a little bit of ice water in his veins because, like Al said, he every day he was competing for a job and he knew that one miss, you know, he was basically probably thinking in his mind, where's my job coming at another NFL team? Mm -hmm. And to do so well, to, the, the Panthers felt that comfortable with him and they see all the reps in practice and the consistency. They must have felt really good about it because they made the move. And I certainly feel for Graham Gano. We talked about Torrey Smith and his knee, but when you're a kicker, you you really count on your knees, but whether it's your kicking leg or your plant leg. In his case, it is his plant leg. But, I mean, injuries in, in general are tough, especially with a guy you know. It's, he's a character guy. He's a good person. You want to root for him. So it's a little bit unfortunate there. Um, there were – I mean, we still just got to keep going down some of these cuts that I was surprised about a number of things, but – one battle that we've been intrigued with from the start has been the running backs, and they kept a whole lot of them, you guys. I mean, they did. Yeah, they did. Reggie Bonifon. I mean, just just think about what this kid has been able to do, and we've heard his entire story over the last couple of days. But, um, you know, one-for-one one likeness to Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he, he, he does it all. I mean, he put on weight in the offseason. He's a guy that was a tireless worker on his craft and any just a jack-of-all-trades, a guy who played quarterback in college and a little running back, a little receiver, and he's done it all. So to have this opportunity, undrafted free agent rookie, and get in there and produce the way we saw him 
uh, just just rack up the stats in in the preseason, you knew he was going to be on this roster. It's it's just tough for guys like Cameron Artis Payne, who's been here for quite a number of years. So that's just where fell I was short. thinking. I was like, you've got some some guy that you're like, okay, yeah, I can see it. I can really see him making this roster. And then someone who you're like, oh, this guy's probably got one of those backup roles locked up is no longer on the team anymore. How how surprised were you by that? By this by the cap decision uh, I think that it just became more and more clear as the preseason went on and you know for fans that weren't really following Reggie Bonifan, um, you know I did the radio coverage for the Carolina Panthers radio network with Mike Tolbert and Jim Zoki and Tolbert from day one was kept calling Reggie Bonifan his guy that's my guy that's my guy because he just he saw something in there and I think that year of being on a practice squad helped him grow as a player like Al said he bulked up and and you know, he's a bigger guy. He was so slight last year, and that extra weight we saw with Christian McCaffrey, if it's done right, it, it really can make their game go to another level. And for him, all he did was produce this preseason. So <clears throat> that really made it where Cameron Norris Payne was expendable. And when you look at it, he spent four seasons here, 491 yards, 3.7 average, and just five touchdowns. You felt good about him as the backup because the coaches always said we feel good about him as the backup and he's going to do a great job when he gets his chance. But the chance never really came, you know, with Jonathan Stewart here and then transitioning to Christian McCaffrey. Um, it, you know, it's just it was time I think to interject some some new energy into that running back group. And now you got guys that are that are pushing each other for playing time because now we can factor in uh, Jordan Scarlett who. You know the last three preseason games put uh, really good work in. And yeah, that's even with him not showing up the first game with the back injury, him only having three games to showcase his skill set. And they complement each other well. I mean, when you think about uh, Bonifon, it's it's the hands and the elusiveness, the things he can do in open space. Well, Jordan Scarlett's the typical bruiser in the middle between the tackles, has some wiggle, can absolutely catch the ball, but he just runs so hard, just a physical runner. Um, you know, I know, you know, Marty Herney talked today about not wanting to call either one of those guys the number two running back, that it wouldn't be fair to either one of them because they've done so well that they will utilize those skill sets situationally and when they come up. So that that's just great for those young men. I count on both of those guys um, being on the active roster on game day and getting and being able to contribute to these football games, whether it's special teams. We talked about Bonifon maybe returning some kicks. He's bulked up now. He has that body. You can trust him with the ball in his hand. And then Jordan Scarlett, I mean, you need some tough yards. I'm not saying that 22 wouldn't be able to get it done. You've, you've seen him be able to dispel some of those myths about his physicality and size being a factor in his game. Um, but, man, those three guys alone, just what I mean, just great guys to have, a great compliment, all three to one another. Yeah, and I'll add Al on Jordan. I think the fact that there's no dancing around. You didn't no. see that all preseason with stutter steps, things like that. It's one foot, plant, and go. Uh, rarely lost yardage. If there was a lost yardage type of situation, there was really not any productivity from the offensive line to really open something up. And then, you know, he caught the ball well out of the, out of the backfield. It wasn't, you know, a ton of reps like Reggie Bonifan got, but all I needed to see in terms of his hands was what he did on the two-point conversion where, you know, Heineke's rolling one way and, and he catches that ball and kind of makes a stab at it and then instantly plants and goes back the other way. Because uh, when it was caught, I thought, that's a heck of a play. You know, we're going to be near the, the goal line. Maybe it was towards for the touchdown maybe. Mm -hmm. um, because then when he turned it on, I was like, man, this guy's going to score and, and went in almost untouched. And so – 
you know, when you see that, it's just a guy making plays, and I don't care if it's their backups or whatever in a preseason game. Um, you, you still get to see what their first step is. Do they hesitate? Do they think too much? Or they just go out there and play? And that's all he did was play this preseason. You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't going to bring this up at first, but now I feel like maybe we should. I thought it was interesting that Marty Herney said that the plan has been all along to keep three quarterbacks because I know we have all talked about it and there's been a lot of speculation, but he said, no, this was, this was what we had intended the entire time. And it's interesting um, because we've seen so many teams go so many different routes. They keep three. I mean, for a while it looked like the Raiders might keep four. Uh, I'm not sure what their mm -hmm. roster looks like right now, but I, um, you know, it's just insane to me uh, to be able to keep that yeah. many because there's other positions of need that you have. You need depth at, but I think going into it, you just had to realize who's the guy that can fill in in the short term and hope you develop. That's the Kyle Allen, and he came back with a nice, strong game, or at least a, a series against um, that last game against the Steelers that you felt like, okay, uh, he got in, moved the team all the way down the field. Um, I think they had to settle for a field goal, or maybe it was a block. I don't know, but settling for that, it didn't really bother me so much that from the 20 to the 20, he moved that team down the field efficiency. They pulled him out efficiently, and when they pulled him out, I was like, well, he's got the number two ham hammered down because it seems like they're just going to give the rest of the time to Will Greer to get a lot of time in, and, and that's what they did. And that's your other guy, your developed guy that you hope – as the season goes along, he just absorbs and is able to learn. You not to throw him in too quick. Yeah, it always appeared, and and you know you hear Marty say that it appeared to me that they were looking to keep uh, three because you know you, you draft Will Greer uh, with the third round, you know he's not getting cut. You know he's going to be on this roster. So really, the battle is who's going to be your number two? Is it uh, a Heineke and Allen competition? Didn't seem like that because of the reps and how they all were laid out during these preseason games. But, um, you know, Allen was a guy that, you know, he went out there and he performed last game of the season against the Saints, and we knew that he was a good football player. Stumbled a little bit um, after that first preseason game and kind of found his way. Nine snaps this last game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but productive, efficient, got the team down the field. He did what he needs to do, and we don't see every snap in practice. And obviously you, you have to grade him on that entire body of work and not the 15, 20 or so snaps they get in a preseason game. Now, I think those are most important because they're game situations. But, yeah, having three, you're going to have to develop uh, Will Greer. It's going to take some time. Uh, these guys are raw. It's so much. I knew that in OTAs when they said, hey, we threw the playbook at this guy. And it like he stumbled a little bit. He couldn't pick it up all the way. That tells me that the processing of a uh, pro football playbook was a little much for him, and it's going to take at least this this year. That big jump you normally see from year one to year two, I wouldn't be shocked if that competition is a whole lot tighter or maybe a runaway for a guy like Will Greer going into the next training camp. Well, I mean, regardless, at the end of the day, we hope we don't need to see him, we right? We hope so. <laughs> it's Cam for – 19 games let's get him going let's right you get, get the, you, you play great for 16 you get a bye week you get uh three games that last one being the super bowl and you win it all that's man a, that's that would be the number and that's i'm sure that's cam's goal is to be out there because this is a big prove it year for him yeah. if he's gonna you know normally, normally they redo contracts uh before that final season comes up so this offseason is big for him and i think his number one priority is is to stay healthy and why he's doing that play extremely well 
And uh, another person, as we were uh, just to go back to the running backs a little bit, um, one of those cuts was Elijah Holyfield, and I know there was there was talks about him potentially being brought back onto the practice squad, and I guess now that's confirmed. Yeah, we just saw that on (laughs) Panthers.com. That just popped up on our you know my phone here, and I'm extremely happy for him when he makes the 53. You know it's not over that's the thing about cut day that man that thing isn't over on saturday at four o'clock there's a really a 24-hour window uh that leads you know that goes all the way through sunday at four when things get really shifty because other guys are now cut and the waiver wire is just alive and guys are getting picked up gms and front office personnel are trying to tweak those rosters the last uh bit of it but because he made that 53 mo- uh, man roster initially you knew they would do everything they could after the 24-hour period here passed and here we go today that pops up on our phones have been yeah playing some strategy they games are doing a great with- job yeah <laughs> man yeah i it's think holding crazy. on to him for that that first you know, roster that they put out that uh, after they made all their cuts and then they cut them obviously to bring in some of the receivers that they right. just brought in, then put them back on the practice squad. It's a great time for him to learn. I mean, Reggie Bonifant did it last year, and look what it did for him. That could be the same way with him with, with Holyfield, and we saw a lot of great things from him. It it tapered out a little bit as you started to see Jordan Scarlett taking some of those reps from him. Yeah. He was a fifth round pick, so obviously. Uh, you're going to get that over a free agent signing like he was. And, uh, you know, he made the most of the opportunities that he had when he got out there, especially in that week one game against the Bills, really kind of set the tone of, of what his camp was going to be like. And, and that carried through, and they love him. So glad to see him on the practice squad. And there's certain positions you need extra guys on the practice squad, and running back is one of them. Oh, yeah, you need them to carry the load during yeah. the season. Look, I was a guy in 1997, undrafted free agent rookie, down in Jacksonville under Tom Coughlin, and I get cut during the initial uh, the initial 53-man roster and was told not to leave Jacksonville, that I was going to be placed on the practice squad. So I learned so much. I got to pretend to be the best pass rusher uh, for the opponent, you know, for all those weeks in practice. You really do get to hone your craft. I got to learn from the older guys how to be a pro, different techniques. So a guy like Holyfield and the rest of those practice squad guys, um, they'll be able to learn so much from watching Christian McCaffrey and Bonifant and Scarlett, but they'll be able to kind of mimic some of the guys they'll watch throughout the season as they go out to give that defense of that first defense a challenge every week to prepare uh, for the upcoming game. So congratulations uh, to Holyfield uh, making this practice squad. We'll, we'll see a lot from him in the future. And I, I think that the practice squad, you know, for, for the fans that don't really realize this, is that, you know, it's a great place where – you're still in tune with the game plan. You never know when you're going to be activated. Injuries mm-hmm. happen. But at the same time, when it comes to practice time, you're all about servicing the team um, that, that you're, you know, the guys you're going against. So in his instance, he's an offensive guy. You're going to be creating what the Rams look like on offense for the defense. You're going to get in a huddle. You're going to look at a card. You know exactly what you have to do. And so that takes some of the thinking out of it. But what that lets you do, and this helped me, and I'm sure it helped Al, is that you can work purely on your physical uh, abilities, your technique, your footwork, all those different things. Uh, okay, I got to run there, or I got to block this guy, or I got to cut this way, or I got to beat that offensive tackle. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna work this move. I'm gonna work that move, and you don't have to think about different things like contain or where's the blitz coming from. Whatever, it's all built in. Just follow to these the cards. You follow those cards. <laughs> they show it to you. Next card up, you get as many plays in as you can. But it's a great way to work on your technique and. Mm-hmm. For me, I wasn't a practice squad guy, but I wasn't going to see the field my rookie year. So all I did was show what, you know, the opponents 
uh, offenses were going to do, and uh, it just gave me a chance to see if I could block our best defensive lineman, and I grew. I got a lot better. Yeah, he'll get to play Todd Gurley this week, and he'll get to look at that Rams offense on those cards, and he'll understand how Gurley wants to attack the holes and where this offense wants to run the ball. So he's going to learn a number of different offensive techniques and running back styles and, and points of attack for that running game. So uh, these guys get a great opportunity to just practice. They don't have to travel. They don't do anything. They don't get paid like the other guys. <laughs> I know that much. But, but it's uh, still a healthy It's chunk still a healthy paycheck. For like three days of work, <laughs> That's right? right? That's right. Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, and a walkthrough on Saturday. So it's pretty good. Pretty good deal al when you said that that you got cut but they told you to come back on in those conversations is that how that conversation happens when you when you are cut from the roster they're like oh hey but but hold on like so elijah probably has known that he was going to be brought back brought back on maybe that conversation when he was released for those other guys to come in that marty and those guys had a conversation hey we have to wait 24 hours to you clear waivers because any team at that point was allowed to pick mm-hmm. Elijah Holyfield up practice squad or put him on their 53-man roster. So that's what I was told to do by Tom Coughlin. Hey, we have a 24-hour window. You know, at the time, we were all still in training camp. Training camp was long. Stay in the hotel. Don't leave 24 hours. Come back. Sign the uh, practice squad contract. So, yeah, for a lot of the guys, especially the guys that the Panthers brought back, I think every single one of those guys, initial uh, seven or eight they brought back were guys that were already here in training camp. So, they, you know, don't fly home and then we have to fly you all the way back. Don't go on vacation and cry in your pillow. Like, you're, you're, we're going to work. We got to go to work Sunday or Monday practice is happening. Um, so the season's starting. They don't let those guys get too far. All right, interesting. I was just curious how that whole process works. Uh, but arguably the biggest goal for the Panthers this offseason was, you know, the constant talk about improving the offensive and defensive lines. Week one, obviously, approaching very fast. How would you guys assess those two groups? Where are they at? Um, and, and were the additions as advertised in both of those groups? Yeah, well, I'll speak to the offensive side. I think that uh, Matt Paradis has uh, done a solid job through this preseason. I think it's hard to get acclimated to a new team, but then when you put on top of that, you're the center, you're in charge of the calls, you got to have that – cohesion and and those guys working um you know hand in hand so closely that i think there's some fine tuning that'll happen over the next few weeks and he's gonna um i think make panther fans somewhat forget ryan khalil it's hard to forget a guy that's just been a stellar player for this organization for so and long especially since he's playing for another team now like yes, come on and, which guys. is crazy i know <laughs> flipped on us but with Paradis, I think that he's going to continue to get better. And I like the move with Daryl Williams, re-signing him and sticking him at left tackle and just keeping him there this whole preseason and just committing to him being the left tackle. And I think that's the best move for this team. He's the most uh, experienced. He's not going to fold under pressure. Um, if there are some matchup problems as the season will go, there will be. There's some tough guys out there uh, that he'll have to be matched up against that you can game plan around that. And we saw North Turner do that a whole lot, especially those first eight weeks of the season last year when the Panthers' offense was really in a groove there uh, before Cam Newton got hurt. You saw that, um, you know, we had some journeyman linemen come there on that left side and man that down and um, protected pretty well, ran the ball pretty well. Um, in terms of running, there really was not a drop-off. And, and protection, you know, it's been about the same it's been throughout Cam's career. He had 29 sacks and – um, you know, he's probably averaged over the course of his career maybe 32 or 33 sacks per season. So, it, um, you know, he didn't play the, the last game, obviously, and was, was dinged up late in the year, but was not hit quite as much as he had been in the past. So I think that is a definite upgrade over the left tackles that we had last year, filling such a huge void with, with Khalil. 
Um, and then Greg Van Roten's proven that he's been a solid guy. And then obviously Trey Turner and Taylor Moten have, have done exceptional jobs. And um, so I think that group will just keep getting better and better. I'm, I feel confident with this group. I'm a little worried because they didn't get a whole lot of time together in game reps during the preseason. And to start off week one with the Rams is just a brutal assignment. But, you know, we'll talk about it as we get into that Rams game. I think there's some ways that they can avoid – you know, giving up a lot of pressure and have some success in the running Has, game. Have you ever had an experience like that where you didn't feel like you got the, the reps maybe that you needed or wanted headed into week one with the core group you were with? Um, no, because um, just because of the, the era I, pl- I played ball in, mm-hmm. it was we played a lot of preseason games. You know, I first game you played the whole quarter, second preseason game the, up until the half, and the third one, um, you know, through the third quarter. And then the fourth game, even sometimes I played in there, get a series or two just to keep you dialed in, lathered up, make you go through the pregame process and that kind of thing so you're not just chilling on the sideline. And um, so this is a different era now. And so a lot of teams are going through this. And, vert, you know, the Rams are in a boat where they're, they're one of the leaders in terms of we're not playing a bunch of starters during the preseason. It's um, very new school, um, protecting guys, keeping them healthy for the preseason. So – uh, that, they're kind of coming in the same way. The, the only concern is they did that last preseason, and they opened up. I mean, the first half of their season, they were running through folks. And so that's a big concern. But, um, you know, hopefully you can shut down that offensive juggernaut. And they, they brought in a lot of personnel out to, to help with that, with either draft picks or the free agent signings on the defensive line. So we're hoping that pays off on Sunday. Yeah, hit us with the defense. Yeah, we. I mean, I've probably mentioned it. In every podcast here that this this team was 27th in the league in sacks. So what they wanted to do is, you know, inject some youth and, and breathe some life back into the pass rush. So they go out and bring in Bruce Irvin. Uh, we all know about the huge signing of Gerald McCoy. And then they draft Brian Burns with the 16th overall pick this year in the draft from Florida State who had a dynamic collegiate career. So they wanted to make sure they can get after guys, create some pressure. Uh, they're going to find out week one. Uh, that's going to be a huge challenge coming up, and we'll get into that. But Brian Burns is a guy that we saw my MVP for the defensive side of the ball for what he was able to do in the preseason, just completely dominate when he had an opportunity to get in there. Very athletic. He did a great job against the pass, but also the run. Uh, And then if you watch Gerald McCoy, that guy, his first step, his explosiveness. I know Tampa looks like they gave up on him, but I think he has a lot in his tank. He certainly has a lot to prove this year. And Bruce Irvin's a champion. He's been around. So to bring those guys in and then the shift to the 3-4 defense that kind of matches up with that personnel, those outside linebackers, you know, Coach Washington and uh, Coach Rivera, they really are going to turn this dial up. I think we saw a very very vanilla defense during the preseason, and it was kind of looked suspect sometimes. I mean, we said we use words like soft against the running game. Uh, so we, we're going to see them tighten that up. Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson, they're going to be in there. We want to see them flat out get after it. Trey Boston, the secondary, those guys are much improved. I expect a lot from this defense. And uh, while the offense kind of tweaks in, in that communication and gets those things together against um, the Rams, week one, an awesome defense led by the defending uh, defensive player of the year Mm. and Aaron Donald, uh, that Mm. defense is going to have to be able to stop folks, and they're going to have to stop them often. Well, let's just do it since (laughs) we keep on talking about how we're going to break down the Rams. Well, let's just do it. Both of these teams, the Panthers and the Rams, are coming into week one of the regular season so hungry. You know, the Panthers started off last year 
so strong. Six and two through the first eight games. And then, obviously, they lose the next seven of eight games. So they're hungry trying to rebound and show that they can ignite that fire again and that they're this great team. And then the Rams obviously had a great year all year. Make it to the Super Bowl, feeling pretty good. Only put up three points. So uncharacteristic. They feel like they were embarrassed in that game, and they're coming out guns a-blazing. Um, but let's talk about Aaron Donald Man. because since you say that that pass rush and how dangerous he is, he had 20 and a half sacks last year. How do we protect our, our QB1? And, and for Al starts, I just want to say, like, as a former lineman, you know, you, you keep track of who's doing well, who's got sacks. Are they cheap sacks? Are they earned sacks? And watching Aaron Donald as much as I have, you know, you – your eyes, you know, when you see a pass rusher that's accumulated 10 or 12 sacks or has been a consistent guy around that range, you're like, whoa, this, you know, this guy needs to be respected. we got to do everything we can to game plan around him. They get up to 15, 17 sacks. You're like, okay, he's a game changer. Really, let's make our calls, you know, on the offensive line, account for that guy and try to do double teams whenever we can. Dude hits 20. I mean, 20. 20. I mean, how many guys have hit 20 before? Three or four in the NFL? I don't know, Strahan, maybe Reggie White one year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't J.J. Know, Watt. Maybe Bruce Smith, maybe. I don't know. But I like, have to look that to up. Listen to those names. Yeah, all-time greats. All-time greats. And this cat, it's from an interior spot, because I can tell you this, John Randall and, uh, say, Warren Sapp, some other guy, Bryant Young, all-time greats at the interior position, nowhere close to that number. And um, it's going to be tough. So, Al, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what makes this guy so special because I just look at him, I see a, a ball of butcher knives ready to roll over folks and kill save, quarterbacks. How do we save Cam Newton? <laughs> we got to save him. You know, I think it's, it comes to, down to North Turner and, and great game planning, and he's going to have to formulate a game plan. I know they are already working on it where Cam gets to make uh, quick, easy, decisive decisions and get that ball out quickly and we saw that a lot to start off the season last year so I I don't think they're going to stray far from that game plan look the guys dominated and destroyed everybody there's no way you accumulate 20 sacks in multiple seasons um, and you're not dominant so it doesn't it's no indictment on Paradis and and Turner and any of those guys up front I mean he's gonna end up whooping somebody that's just what the guy does and uh, he's a grown man and you can double him if you want we've seen him beat doubles he is relentless in the one thing that he has uh, it's two things really it's his first step he is super explosive but he may be pound for pound the strongest guy on the football field. So you watch him at, you know, maybe 6'1 and 290 pounds, just toss offensive linemen like they're small children. I mean, the guy is just incredible. Uh, and I'm, I wouldn't be su- surprised if he wins the defensive player uh, of the year, year again a for a third year. <laughs> and we hope that he doesn't start padding those stats this Sunday. But it's going to take a great effort. It's going to take great um, offensive line play, but more importantly, it's going to take a great game plan from North Turner and Cam Newton and those guys to um, find ways to get the ball out of Cam's hands where he's not making long throws and long decisions because Aaron Donald's coming. Yeah, I think Al's absolutely right that it really falls a lot on North Turner because I think that's the best defense for it to, to move Cam around, mm-hmm. to, to have him do some designed runs. Um, even and uh, a couple reverses in there, reverse pass, uh, throwback screens, nothing that's risky. You're not trying to, you know, do some razzle-dazzle the whole game long, but just keep them off balance and running a little bit more sideways instead of just straight up the field and targeting a quarterback that's just sitting back there. And I think, you know, the thing about Aaron Donald, you know, he – 
20 sacks, 20 and a half sacks last year, but 41 hits on a quarterback. 41 times he went back there and put a quarterback on his behind. And then uh, I think 17 or so tackles for losses. So he's not only blowing up the passing game, but the running game. And, you know, as Panther fans, any fan in the NFL, you, you hate second and 12, you know, or, or third and 10 because not because of incompletions, but because you're not getting that running game going. And so I think really – I'll hit it on the head. It's it's North Turner, and with that game plan, that can really take a lot of the stress and the problems off a lot of players and, and mitigate what he's going to do. He's going to make plays, but just limit them. Yeah, and he has more help this year. Clay Matthews Jr. is out there. They brought in Dante Fowler, was a former first-round pick uh, from University of Florida, was down in Jacksonville. So he has other guys. So it's going to be difficult. You, you have to find out where he is and, and kind of double him or, or understand where he is, but – uh, he dominates in the passing game, but in the running game, he's good too. You can't run away from him. You're gonna have to run into him. I, if I'm a, I, you know, I'm not an offensive guy, but I mean, you you better try to trap him or wham blocks or or do something where you use kind of that penetration of his against him and get a guard or get a, a one of those tight ends, Alex Armour, to kind of trap him and create some space for Christian McCaffrey because. He is lightning fast, and he will destroy your entire backfield if you give him a shot. Well, speaking to Aaron Donald's new friends, Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews Jr., uh, how do you like the matchups, Kevin, of Daryl Williams and Taylor Moten on the line? Uh, I actually like it a lot. I think that uh, Clay Matthews has been one of the best pass rushers in the league for a long time, but his play has definitely tailed off here the last few years. I don't think he's had double-digit sacks since maybe 2014. Um, might have had about six sacks. No, I think only three and a half sacks last year. And then Fowler had four sacks for the Rams last year, I think two with the Jags and then mm-hmm. two with the, the Rams. So I don't see those as massive threats. Obviously, if you don't use the right technique and get off on the on the call uh, at the correct time, you know, you might have some issues and problems. Yeah, Clay, but Clay Matthews' hair is looking a little bit more limp as well these days. <laughs> he's, well, he's like uh, Samson, I guess. You know, if, it, if the hair's not strong game, then the, the, the game isn't real, real on point. But I – you know, I don't expect to see him back in the backfield a whole lot causing disruption in, in a lot of plays uh, that mess up the offense. I think that really Aaron Donald is the sole focus of, of what they need to accomplish. And then, you know, I think those those guys will, will definitely equal out on the outside, if not dominate, uh, especially in the run game. Um, those two guys are great, great run blockers. And for times where they have to fan out uh, or cut off those guys, I think they're more than up to the task to be able to create some running lanes for Christian McCaffrey and the, the whole cadre of backs that we have now. <laughs> well, the, the Panthers' defense has been a little bit more inconsistent stopping the run on their side. So you talk about how Elijah Holyfield's going to be playing Todd Gurley this week, but this is the real Todd Gurley that we're going to have out there. How do we stop a guy like him who's been so incredible? Uh, I, I'm really going to focus on K.K. Short and, and Gerald McCoy. Can they – uh, penetrate and then in the middle with Don Terry Poe holding up the centers creating opportunities for uh, Luke Keekley and, and Shaq Thompson to, to absolutely run I mean we didn't see a lot of those two guys in the preseason they're pivotal to this game plan and, and you can believe there is going to be no stone unturned with Luke Keekley on breaking down McVay in that offense and what they want to do and they, they want to run that outside zone with Todd Gurley we talked about uh, Jordan Scarlett being a one cut downhill runner and that's really um, you know what Todd Gurley is so they want to be able to string you out let him find a hole hit it and explode and we we know the knee problems he 
had at the end of the year. But this guy is top two running back in the league. I mean, you can debate that all you want to, but this guy is explosive in all facets of the game, running the ball, catching it. Uh, Their screen game is good. And off that running game, they really want to throw the ball, play action pass with golf and some speedy receivers. Talk about Brandon Cooks. I'm looking for that matchup with uh, Dante Jackson and how that turns out. I mean, maybe two of the fastest guys in the NFL we'll see on Sunday on the football Yeah, and I think that it's so critical to stop that zone play, and you're right about those interior linemen. If they can get upfield, and that I think the most important thing really is stop the cutback. Mm -hmm. And if you can get upfield and be in position for that where you you cause some disruption and not let him cut back, you limit him to to that one half of the field there – um, and then, like you said, whoever's on that front side, if you can disrupt a little bit, not, you know, a zone play is very effective when you start to get linemen to, uh, defensive linemen to really stretch out sideline to sideline. So you're, you're kind of running this zone to the right. All these bodies are going to the right. But as you're getting guys blocked, you're just, you're turning them, you're moving them upfield. You might be moving them wider or cutting them off to the backside. So you're turning them all these different directions. And great backs can see that where there's different levels in there where it's a small opening. But then once they get past that small opening, then cut to this other direction where it's a wide open void. Um, those type of runners, and Gurley is that type of guy that if you got to stop him early, much like they did with uh, Ezekiel Elliott last year in that first game, mm-hmm. that limits them. That helps, uh, I think, get them into third and long situations and then, you know, a chance to get to the quarterback before they can throw it to those outstanding receivers. Yeah, Uh, Luke Kuechly is going to have to see what Todd Gurley sees. That's the way to stop him. If Luke can see where that light color for Todd Gurley is starting to form, those jerseys, he's going to try to follow his guys up their backs. If Luke Kuechly can see that and match that hole and match that attack, should be a good day for Luke Eakin. And I'm, I'm usually Mr. Positive Guy, but listen, th- this guy concerns me big time because he's had an offseason to rest and recuperate, get that knee right. Mm-hmm. It is the beginning of the season. He hasn't played in the preseason, so there's no wear and tear there. I don't think playing running back is anything that it's like riding a bike. You know, you hand the ball to him, he's going to go 100% right from the get-go. He had over 1,200 yards of rushing last year, 21 touchdowns, 5. 21. 5.0 per carry, so he's an effective runner. (laughs) And I think, you know, I think part of me, and I was guilty of this, is how he tapered off and didn't perform really well in the the postseason and have a factor in that Super Bowl whatsoever that you're like, yeah, he's kind of lost a little bit. No, he had a setback because of the knee. I think he's going to be back up to full strength. And, you know, the longevity of his career could be in jeopardy, you know, when it comes to year 9 or 10 or something mm-hmm. like that because of those wear and tear injuries. But I don't think for him being a young player going in this year, I think, man, it's all cylinders go. It's fresh. I mean, yeah, and See, it's, it's going to be tough. I was like, oh, maybe they're going to try to preserve him a little bit and not use him as many snaps. No, these games count. <laughs> these games count. Is it okay to, like, <laughs> say get – Massive penetration, hit him on the <laughs> knee. The first, not, no. I mean, not uh, not career ending. No, yes, out of no, the game. You're it's not out of supposed physical. to what? say these things. I know physical. you're a dirty player, Kevin. No, that's oh not, yeah, yeah. You got to get some hats on him. You got to get a lot of bodies <laughs> no, around. Hey, no. you don't. Let me put this that's in full not circle. What we do. <laughs> let me 180 it and flip it on you. Okay, okay. You don't think everybody's targeting Cam Newton and that okay, shoulder? That's right. That's they fair. have that thing on their crosshairs. I don't care if they're coming from downtown, sniper level, trying to get in there and make a play, or they're right on the front lines. It's about getting him down on the ground. Old school DN, Tuck. 
and dump on his shoulder. That's what it's called. I get when you're on a football field. It's a different mentality. We're just sitting at a wooden table. It never goes away. He's still a pro. It never leaves. Oh, man, I'm getting worked up because I want to – I wish I could get out there for one play. I'm excited. Man. I'm excited about football. It would be fun. When it's you coming. guys think about week one, and, and you, a lot of these guys are going to be taking the field for their first time, what, uh, what memories come back for you guys of your very first real regular season football game? I mean, just just a great time. I, I mean, I started on the practice squad. I got called up to the the active roster as a Philadelphia Eagle. So I ended up leaving Jacksonville because um, I was stuck there on the practice squad and was given a chance. So I was a special teams guy. And uh, for me, running out of that tunnel in the old veteran stadium and uh, playing against, I believe, the Cowboys, which is a huge uh, NFC East rivalry, and looking across at Michael Irvin and, and, and you know, uh, Emmett Smith is in the back backfield those guys I watched on on TV so it was a huge moment for me I was just lost but uh you're extremely excited I couldn't wait to run out of the tunnel and I tell you what I start the game because I'm on kickoff so I run down there that 60 yard run was the most exhausting thing that I did in my life I literally went back and got oxygen not because I was tired or out of shape but you work yourself up I mean I was in the locker room I could not I mean I was about to play my first regular season NFL football game in the NFC East for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was just unbelievable um, with the guys, the superstars, the Hall of Famers that um, I was looking at and playing against. And, and Kevin knows these guys better than I do. My reality came crashing in on the first third down when I go in there. And I did one of those games, a twist game uh, that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And I go upfield and I come loop back in and Nate Newton sitting there, all pro, all world offensive guard. And he kind of grabbed me and I'm probably 250 pounds at that time and just stalemated me. And I knew, I knew it was real. It wasn't practice anymore. So um, just a bunch of hall of famers on that um, in the nineties, 1997, uh, my rookie year hall of fame roster for the Dallas Cowboys, my first NFL football game for the Philadelphia Eagles, man. I had, I, I it's my first game uh, as a legit starter left tackle for the for the uh, Houston Oilers and going down to the Saints to open up the season. I had Ronaldo Turnbull, if you remember that mm-hmm. name. He was a stud player for the yeah. Saints. And we're in the Dome, and it's a night game too. I think it's a Sunday night game or Monday night game to kick off the season. So the Cajuns have been drinking all day long. That stadium is rocking. And, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't play badly, but it wasn't my, my best performance. It was, um, it was a lot to learn. It's going from – preseason starts to maybe some action where you're filling in from guys during a regular season game too. Now you're the guy protecting Warren Moon. Uh, and my first five or six games were were just a blur to me because I think the next week I went to uh, Derek Thomas with KC, um, Bruce Smith with the Bills, um, a couple other guys that just uh, – I mean, Leslie O'Neal, uh, Lee Williams was out with San Diego. But anyway, it was, every week it's your bath, you're these great pass rushers. And uh, I just remember getting out of it. I think I gave up a couple of sacks between those six games. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I didn't get a quarterback kill. Yeah. I held bad. up okay. <laughs> I gave up a few sacks. Yeah, I did. Okay, I own it. It's cool. But, you know, there was no blindside hits of Warren Moon, and he was still active and playing pretty well. It was so tough, yeah. But, it, man, it, talk about my butt was puckered, man. Like, not just – during the game, like all week long, because as soon as you go from one game, it's the next. 
oh, man, I got Warren Sapp this week, or I got whoever, and you're just like, start watching film on Tuesday and just keep going through the yeah, week. Yeah, you don't have any time to kind of dwell in it. You There's no relax. Because the next, next guy is coming fast. But it's, uh, I mean, it's exciting, man. I, I don't know if I was born with the fear gene. So, for me, <laughs> I was like a kid. It, line me up and run down there on kickoff back when they allowed four or five-man wedges and just – 22 year old just light, just, just up. light them up 260 pound defensive end so you just i think i mean that the, was courage just good healthy fear good he- healthy like fear yeah that uh it, it's it, you're scared enough to know that this is so important that if you don't get it done somebody might get hurt or somebody get might get a big return on you or somebody gets way late or you're not doing your job um you understand how the group dynamic works and the team dynamic works. You got to carry your load, yeah, and you don't want to let down your teammates. So it's you're scared as all can be out. You don't let on. <laughs> you don't show anybody. You just, you just quiet to yourself, or you sing, or whatever you got to do to to loosen yourself up. It's, guys have different ways, but you find a way to overcome. I I know for me as like a sideline reporter, just the little nerves that I get before a game. I can't imagine what it must be to be in a player's shoes. In that environment, on that stage, for the very first time, and just let's go. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, we're gonna do some team predictions really quickly as we go down the line. Certain things you think may happen, but before we do full team predictions, I want a week one prediction. Who gets the dub week one, guys? I really think the Carolina Panthers pull this one off, one, because they're at home. And I think when you're the underdog facing the NFC South, I mean, the the NFC champions here in the L.A. Rams with Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald, that they're going to be looked over. I mean, you're starting to see the predictions already. People are doubting not only the shoulder, but now the foot of Cam Newton. And can he come back and the way this team performed in the preseason? So I think they're going to have a really good plan to take the air out of both sides of the ball. And it's not going to be a, a pretty one. It's going to be an ugly one at home. I trust this football team at home. And I really think it comes down to a Joey Sly kick at the end of this football game. What are exclamation point on what these kids done in the preseason i think the panthers pulled this one up out in an upset in my mind uh over the nfc champs in, in the la rams coming well, down to sly guy all right i'm i'm going the other direction listen i think this team's going to win the division it's going to finish 10 and 6 but i think one of those losses will be to the rams at home this coming sunday and it's just because they have a system in place they've got their star players back they're loaded offensively great defense with the defensive player of the year and I think there was just a few too many question marks for me coming out of camp. But I do feel great about how this team will play as the season goes on. They get more comfortable in that 3-4 defense. They find out what they do well, what they don't do well, come up with some other creative things. I think uh, for Cam Newton, it's gonna. I don't think he's just going to come right out like gangbusters and just be right where he was back to form, you know, week four or five of last season. I think it, it might take a week or two for him to get – to get right, I think fortunately they bounce back with a, an easy win against the Bucks. I'll say that. I know people don't like me to predict a, a Rams <laughs> loss, but I think you know when you look at the totality of their schedule and and where some of these teams have done with putting their rosters together, I think that that ten wins will win this division because I think there's going to be some beating up on each other within the division, and that's going to get them to the playoffs. Well, where we sit right now, the Rams are a three-point favorite, but on ESPN.com, when you look at the little percentage circle, the Panthers have a 53% advantage as of now. So we shall see. Yeah, I think the Rams come out slow because they their starters haven't played. I think the the Panthers can take advantage of that. And look, it's not it's not an easy hill to climb, and that's maybe a bold prediction. And 
I'm obviously a Panthers fan, and I want those guys to win. But I think I think they're going to shock everybody. It's it's looked a little off balance all preseason, but I think it comes together, and it's because of the game plan with North Turner and Eric Washington and those guys to kind of take the air uh, out of this team who has to cr- travel across the country. So I'm I'm expecting just fireworks from the Panthers. And and Al, I I see all those scenarios in my head too, and I'm <laughs> I'm I go back and forth depending yeah. on the time of day. And yep. I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking through some stuff. I'm like, you're, you're, you're dang right. I like that, that you yeah. have the, the Panthers winning the division, though. Sorry, yeah. that is Saints. I don't care if you're considered the fourth best team in the NFL I just right didn't, now. I didn't want any bad <laughs> reviews of our podcast because it's like, what's this guy talking about the Panthers and he's predicting a loss on Sunday? I'm just, I'm just being real. Well, being Kevin, real. you did give us a 10-6 and six prediction for the season. What about postseason? Postseason, they do not earn – I think some of the other divisions are a little bit easier, so we might not get that first round by from winning the division, but I think that they'll be able to um, have a chance at the Super Bowl. I think that they're going to be playing their best ball. We've seen that with Rivera. Last season was an anomaly because of the injury to Cam Newton that they didn't finish stronger than they started. Um, this team typically has is, is started a little bit slower with Rivera, but then it's gotten better and better as the season goes on. So that's why I see them playing their best ball when the playoffs come around. I can't really predict what those teams or times or where it's going to be at, but I feel like uh, they get through the season without some major injuries. Um, they're right in it with any team, any team in the NFL. Al? Yeah, I I don't disagree with the record. I think it's a ten and six season, um, but I think they are second in in the NFC South because I just think with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara now uh, really being the feature back there, uh, this this that team just has their number. They just understand what the Panthers want to do, uh, and then Cam Jordan versus Cam Newton. I mean. He's all over Cam. I mean, he he loves to play Cam Newton. Tremendous amount of respect. You hear him talk about him with the highest esteem. So I just think the Saints are a little bit better preseason. Don't know how it's going to play out, but if I had to predict, and that's what I'm being asked to do now, I, I really think it's Saints, Panthers, Falcons, and, and Bucks in this You're just division. Like, yeah, the Saints will be good, but aim for their knees. Well, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll interject one thing that – you know, Breeze tapered off somewhat the he second did. half of the season last year. And I bring that up because Jared Goff was in a similar situation mm-hmm. just with the the uh, postseason. Mm-hmm. Really turned in a poor postseason. Uh, I think his quarterback rating was like a 41, had mm-hmm. one 41.4. touchdown. 41-4. One touchdown and mm-hmm. two interceptions in three games and did virtually nothing in that, that Super Bowl game. Um is that trending still? Is is there some kind of formula that the Patriots put out there and some of these other teams in the postseason that that kind of got some things figured out? We see teams catch up with teams um, with some of the things that they do, and last year was certainly a brilliant year for them. But and Luke Keekley's watching that film. Yes. That's why my prediction is what He's it is. He's watching right now. He's watching well, right now. Right now. I guarantee it right now. It. The last thing we're going to do here is who are your team MVPs on offense and defense I think that on defense, the easy choice based on what I've heard from you this whole time might be Luke Keekley, but I don't know. What do you think? It has to be Luke Keekley. I think when this team plays well and they're dominant, it's because Luke is a master in the running game and helping get, get guys lined up. And, um, and in the passing game, three, four interceptions a year. I mean, I think this guy is capable of doing that and getting back to kind of all-pro uh, defensive MVP form. So, for me, it's Luke Keekley with the dark horse, and maybe not dark. He's going to be a guy that you're going to see all all year, and that's going to be Dante Jackson. 
he I mean, there's a lot of balls that's going to be thrown around in this division, and he has to be a key factor. He has to become that lockdown corner in his second year. He has to take the mantle and just dominate his side of the field. And I think for me, this goes back to being the Cam Newton show. I think that mm-hmm. he's had a great off season. The surgery was much more minor than everyone thought coming out of the season. Um, he's had the whole offseason to get it right. He threw earlier than we expected during OTAs. He went into camp, clean bill of health, and came out of it really good With in terms of we never heard about resting for shoulder soreness or an extra day off or extra vet days. They just had him on a program. It worked perfectly. There was no fine-tuning or tweaking to it along the way that any of us noticed. And then, you know, didn't get a lot of reps in the preseason, but – really had uh, not a lot of opportunities to succeed, you know, and it was part of protecting him for the regular season. Uh, Might not start out, you know, 100%, but I see him as the season goes along just being more and more efficient. Second year under North Turner and that system, he was doing it early last year. I expect that to keep going throughout the year, and I think he stays healthy and proves a lot of things to a lot of people that are naysayers about him. Al gave us a defensive dark horse. Do you have an offensive dark horse? My offensive dark horse is, I mean, you can't really say dark horse, but I think D.J. Moore was a little bit quiet during the preseason. Yeah. But what he did last year and the type of player he is, I think that it's about to, you know, he – might have had four or five touchdowns last year. I, I can't really remember. He, he trailed Calvin Ridley in that number, and that was the one number that bothered me, that Ridley had so much more touchdowns. I think he doubles it this year and becomes a 10-touchdown guy, if not more, and makes some big plays for this team and gets the chunk yardage that it so desperately needs. Yeah, I think Curtis Samuel got all the attention because all the downfield plays, but um, DJ Moore is going to be the guy that they count on to move the chains all season long. And Calvin Ridley did have 10 touchdowns last season. Uh, so he's he's chasing that number. He didn't like that. That was well, good stuff today. Thank it was guys. fantastic. <laughs> and Stormy, you know, for, for people that don't uh, follow Stormy on social media, she has an incredible opportunity ahead of her. Um, we're just so, so thrilled for her. She's going to be moving back to her hometown of Las Vegas, uh, be near family. But the, the most important thing is that she has taken a huge leap forward in her career. She's going to be a team reporter for – the Las Vegas Golden, <laughs> Golden Knights. Nice. That is so fantastic. Huge. A great franchise. They got so much going for them, so much excitement from last season. You're going to just join right in. Um, we're just proud of you. We hate to see you go. We hate that you're not going to be here on these podcasts, but you've been absolutely amazing to work with. And um, we knew it wouldn't be long. We knew it wouldn't be long. It was a matter of time before someone got you. And I can't think of a better fit for you to be able to go back to your hometown and, and do something that, uh, you know, obviously you love and do it for a great franchise. Yeah, we appreciate your time here with us. And, and we go back to Little Panthers game of the week. Oh, Panthers. <laughs> so yes. we go way back doing, you know, my first opportunity broadcasting and Stormy was on the sideline and uh, just – just talking to, Pop Warner just football. Talking Pop I did, I did one with her, too, yeah, yeah. So, last season. Uh, we go way back, and, and obviously the work we did with the Panther Vision uh, pregame report last year and now losing you uh, on the podcast. You, you, podcast. you keep us straight. You keep us in line. Uh, you make us think about some of the terms we're using. I have to take a deep breath and be, in a, be able to explain it, so we're going to miss you. We, we uh, wish you the best out there in your next opportunity. You guys 
are so sweet. That's so nice. I'm, I'm going to miss you guys a ton. I really appreciate everything that you guys have done for me as as friends, as mentors in the game of football, and, and so much more. I, I couldn't be more grateful for this experience. This show has been a blast. I'm so sad it's my last one, but I'll definitely be listening. So I hope that you guys out there listening will be too. This is just, you guys are awesome. And uh, I couldn't be, like I said, more grateful for the two of you for everything. With that, guys, before I cry, uh, make sure you tune into the Panthers for week one against the Los Angeles Rams right down the street here at Bank of America Stadium. It's a one o'clock Eastern kickoff on Fox, but hopefully you're at the stadium with Kevin now. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this, my final episode of the Carolina Line, but many more to come with Al Wallace and Kevin.